the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow, your host. Today is Open Line Friday. Any subject that you would like to talk about, we will change the subject just for you. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And if you've got a question about the Bible, about something going on in the world, you want to talk about the news, Maybe just something that is on your mind. Let's talk about it. 888-528-2557. This gives an opportunity for, you know, anybody who says, you know what, they never address this on the radio. Let's talk about this. This is a great way to do it. Some of you come up with some great topics uh, to do that. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Here's one for you. According to the Wall Street Journal, it will now cost $26,000 more to raise a child through high school than it did just two years ago. Uh, That's because of inflation. And apparently it's going to cost you over $300,000 to raise a kid. Do they tell you that when you're going to have a kid that for the 18 years, $300,000? I don't know if it really costs that much. Is that, is that it? I don't know. You know, how do you, how do you do that math? I guess somebody has done it based on food and supplies. You know, childcare arrangements is a huge one. And I have that question for you. How do we help people with the child care? It used to be you'd go out and you'd get, you know, church kid babysitter and they'd come over and it was pretty simple. Now that person probably charges $65 an hour. And uh, there are so many different um, things going on with that. What do you do? What are you doing for child care that maybe is working? Does your church do anything? We've had events before where it's like uh, child care um you know, night at church. And part of that really isn't as much childcare. It's about actually um, helping mom and dad go out and have a date night, which for some mom and dads, it's just basically I'm going out and uh, we're going to take a nap because we never get one. Or we're just going to have some alone time. We're going to go have date night. We're going to get an ice cream and sit on a bench by the beach and stare. Uh, Sometimes that's very helpful. 888-528-2557. Um, you know, and thinking about this with parents, it's very expensive, right? And I think that creates a lot of stress. My, I'm, I'm taking my son soon to uh, Magic Mountain. We haven't been, I haven't been there for 10 years. And um, before that, it was probably 10 years before that. I used to go there all the time as a kid. And then uh, Magic Mountain got pretty sketchy there for a while, and I wasn't there much. And I think it's better now than it was. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I don't know. And uh, my biggest concern really is, at, at my age, should I even be going on any of those roller coasters? And am I, am I going to be able to walk when I get out of there? I remember there was one. There was one roller coaster that I went on 10 years ago that when I got off, it hurt me for days. Um, and I remember which one that was because I have some trauma. But uh, should I go on that again? I don't know. Um, I'm bringing this up because Six Flags is reporting that they are raising prices. And the reason they're raising prices is because they're, they're having fewer people go. But they think part of the reason that fewer people are going is because lots of parents are using the theme park as daycare. 
for their kids, especially during the summer. And Knott's Berry Farm has been dealing with this. Knott's Berry Farm has instituted a chaperone policy here in Southern California. And they're just saying you can't do that. For Knott's Scary Farm that's coming up, you will no longer be able to just drop your kids off at Knott's and they can just have fun. And the reason is because kids are getting in trouble. And their investigation, the Six Flags one, the Knott's one, the same thing is being said that parents are using it for daycare. Is that because it's just too expensive to get a babysitter? I mean, you can, if you're going to pay somebody for several hours, it probably is cheaper, right? To get them a ticket to Magic Mountain and say, have fun. Uh, unfortunately, they're kind of on their own and getting in some trouble out there. Um, is that something that is something you do? We have to be more serious about this. I think that our kids are already in tremendous danger, and we live in a world that's different. That's what scares me the most as a parent, I think. I don't want to say scared like I'm unable to act, but the ways that my kids can get in trouble today did not exist when I was a kid. Stuff that they can get into on the internet, the video games and stuff that are X-rated or very violent or foul in other ways, those didn't exist. I don't think they did when I was a kid. And they can get in trouble because they're just in a group of person and one person's got a phone and and says, hey, look what I found. And suddenly they're into something that they shouldn't be. Do you have this issue with your kids? Is Do you have these concerns? What are you doing about it? Is the right thing to drop them off at Six Flags or do you get together with other people. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It's Open Line Friday, and we will talk about whatever it is that you would like to talk about. And uh, since I'm going to Six Flags, I thought maybe I would ask you, you know, uh, about it. Uh, It's on my mind, and I hope I have a good time with my kid, but I hope I'm not in traction after we're done. Where are you taking kids? Because for Christy and I, we just moved here. We just moved to L.A. We don't really know anybody very well. We're kind of getting involved in church, and school has started already. That's good, getting to know some people. But we're we're not in a place where we're ready to just drop our kids off with some family who we don't know. Are we more reserved about that than we used to be? Is there more that kids are getting into? I think there probably is than used to be. And do you even think about that? What do you do for daycare? Just a thought for maybe some conversation for today, 888-528-2557. It is increasingly important. And you know, in our world today, I think it's gotten harder because everybody's got to work. That childcare cost, the childcare cost of $300,000 to raise your kid over 18 years, that's why mom and dad are both working. That's why so many of us have side gigs. Do you drive Uber or do you do something for a... uh, Side hustle, we call it. I've done a whole bunch of stuff for side hustles at different times just to cover the bills. And I've never driven Uber before. Uh, I would like to, or Lyft. Uh, I would love to do that if I have time. I don't have any time. But if I had time, I would love to do that. I just want to, you know, because I like to get to know people and meet people. And uh, they would get in the car. <laughs> I, always, I just want to look at them and start driving and go, you got your seatbelt on? Good, because I want to try something. Just see what their reaction is. You know, do you ever have that experience with your Uber driver? That would be me. You know, uh, I saw this in a cartoon, but I think I can do it. I think Stephen Wright told that joke. 888-528-2557. You know, and the thing is about the extra income is that it's also taking parents away from their kids even longer. 
So mom and dad are both working. Um, and then mom or dad have to do some second job afterward just to pay the rent or buy the food. Hopefully not to buy the, um, you know, the extra stuff. Hopefully we can budget enough. I think for a lot of us, we're in debt, right? And so we're driving Uber because we have to because we owe our life to Visa and MasterCard. 888-528-2557. Let's go to Samantha in San Diego. Welcome, Samantha. Hello. How are How you are today? Doing? I'm doing great. Good. I'm doing good as well. All right. Um, I just tuned in and I heard you were talking about children today and how it's so easy for them to get into trouble. Yeah. And, um, I just wanted to comment on that. You know, I've always wanted kids my whole life. I'm 28 uh, right now. And, um, you know, I've kind of decided recently I probably don't think kids are even a good option at this point. Mm. I feel like it's very unsafe. Um, and the things that get taught in school these days, I would not be okay with my kids learning even at a, a young age. And I would just want them to be so, like, sheltered. And, like, I, I don't know, like, how it is these days. I, like, wouldn't even want to expose my children to it. Yeah. That's how I feel. How much of that do you think is, um, how much of that is, is fear? Because a lot of people feel the way you feel, Samantha, and, and doing a whole lot of different uh, counseling on this subject with couples, um, there's mm-hmm. great fear with a lot of couples about having kids because things have changed so much. How, you know, do you feel like, are you married, Samantha? I'm not. I am in a relationship, and we've talked about this together, and he agrees with me. He feels the exact same way. We we both wanted kids when we started our relationship, and now we're both rethinking it. Completely. Is it is it just that. because it's a scary prospect? I think so. I, yeah. It is definitely like a big fear thing. I think um, it's just the unknown, you know. And like I know, like my childhood was amazing, but I still got in trouble, you know, with things that I did I wasn't supposed to do when I was like in high school and whatnot. And I can't even imagine like if I had a kid, you know, and when they're in high school, how much worse it would be. Just with everything they're exposed to these days, I just like feel like it wouldn't even be worth it to like have a child, which is so sad to say. I'm just like so scared about that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, let me encourage you a little bit because I I'm I'm a parent who my kids are 13 and 10, and I got a lot of concerns. You know, some of the concerns are like, what would I be doing if I was 13? Oh, I would be in a lot of trouble, right? That's what I'm thinking about. But it also helps mm-hmm. me get ahead of my kids, right? Can I encourage you that? You know, every kid is going to have their own problems. It's great being a parent. And you know what? It is something that you can also consider if you decide to marry this person you're with is maybe what you do is you say, you know what? Let's adopt. Let's plan to foster kids or let's plan to adopt. I think that's a great alternative for, for Christian couples in particular who are saying, I don't know if I want to have kids. Well, you can go the other way and say, you know what? There are kids right now who have it rough who've been born, and maybe we can help them. I think we're called to, I think the church is called to do that. You know, maybe not you specifically, Samantha, but maybe that's something that you talk to your potential uh, um, father figure, right? Not father for you, but Mm -hmm. parent. Yeah. Uh, Does that make sense? I mean, that's if you're afraid of having your own, which is great if you can. You know, a lot of people just can't today. Maybe Christians ought to adopt. Maybe there is mm-hmm. such an opportunity today to say, yeah, the world is scary. 
we need parents, we need Christian parents who can teach truth to these kids who are going to grow up with somebody. Yeah. No, so that's definitely let me encourage you true. not to be afraid. It is scary. I'm not going to say it's not scary, but it is something that you can navigate. And maybe mm-hmm. the discussion to have is, hey, if we don't want to have kids, well, maybe we should adopt. Okay. All right. Have that yeah. thought. I think that's a good one for Christians. Thanks for calling, Samantha. Don't be afraid of it. It's a wonderful thing. And adoption is a wonderful <laughs> thing, too. A uh, super wonderful mm-hmm. thing. You never know. You might be one of those people who adopts a bunch of kids or you foster kids. And you just might be perfect for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So think about that. Pray Thank about you. that. Take that to the Lord. Thanks, Samantha, for calling. one 888 is the number. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. It's Open Line Friday. You can call about anything you want. 888-528-2557. Uh, DD in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Hi, Dee Dee. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah. Good. I, I just want to first comment is um, you were talking some time ago about environment and that you do want to have clean air. We all do. But I'll tell you one thing that did make a big difference. I think in the late 80s and early 90s, they took lead out of gasoline. Uh-huh. And I I, I see a difference in yeah. my my own discernment um, they're using, you know, environmentalists are using lies. Just, just they're using all kinds of things to just control us. Now, the thing well, that happened with Trump, it brings me to tears. Okay, I'll let you talk over a minute. Yeah. I don't want to get all this in. Um, well, <laughs> you it brings know what? me to tears because during Obama, you know, like when Obama said, oh, I believe that life starts at conception. But if my daughter makes a mistake, I'm not going to punish her with a baby. Now, why didn't yeah. Christians see that that is not a Christian? That All is right. not. Hold on a second there, Didi. Thank you for your call. I appreciate you listening here. You know, uh, two things that you were talking about there uh, with clean air. You know, I li- you probably lived in Southern California for a long time. There was a decision made. I think it was the Clean Air Act, and it made a bunch of uh, changes that happened in the early 90s. I want to say it was 90 or 91 that that got signed. It made a difference. You know, I'm looking out the window here at the studio and I can see the mountains, but I remember a time when you didn't get to see those mountains at all because they were just covered in uh, smog. And it really did get cleaned up. And I think it's getting a little worse. So I'm excited about that. You know, with environmental stuff, you just got to look at, is it, is it, and this is a good example of an environmental bill that actually made a difference. Okay, they changed the gasoline. I think they put some other additives in it, and it did make a difference. And that says that sometimes we can do things for the environment. Um, today, you know, a lot of the time what happens is there's bills, and you wonder, is it really going to do anything? Is it just symbolic, or is it really just an excuse to tax people? One of the big issues in uh, in some countries in Europe where there's an awful lot of sort of climate change laws and things is that people – in Europe feel like these aren't really doing anything and all you're doing is using the tax money for things that isn't really affecting the environment. That's why we have to be on top of it uh, with all of that. Um, and abortion, you know, it's one of those things that that we're going to be dealing with and have to talk about in our society. Um, and as, you know, I believe that we need to be looking at life as valuable. And in this discussion, I think there's a lot of... Uh, different ways we can go with this discussion today, but we really can't scientifically anymore, not that we ever could, okay, but 
but no one, I think, can really make the argument that the unborn child is just a clump of cells. Um, we're all just clumps of cells anyway. But now with modern science the way it is, with DNA testing, we know that the unborn child is its own person, and its own human being. And it is the question really is about the value of the child. Um, does the value of that life, is that less than the value of the human life of the mom? And if we're afraid to have that conversation, it's because I think we don't like the answer to that. I think the answer to that is the value of the unborn child uh, is the same as any other human being. And, you know, the issues of abortion that are really there, a lot of it, and uh, other sexual things is also getting us back to what the scriptures tell us sex is for and what relationships are for. And I know people are sinful and people make mistakes and people get tempted and and uh, all kinds of stuff. I had somebody in uh, ministry one time uh, call me and say, uh, he came to my office and he was embarrassed because he and his girlfriend went too far. And I said, well, what went on? And he said, well, we got in the backseat of the car underneath the tree out at the beach and we got tempted. Oh, really? Uh, so that's a surprise, isn't it? All right. 888-528-2557 is the number. And uh, let's go to L. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Pastor Scott. It's good to speak with you again and have an opportunity just to share my thoughts. Yeah. I was listening to the young woman, uh, a caller perhaps before me. Samantha, who said that she didn't want to have kids. Samantha, right. And she just was just feeling that fear. And what came over my heart was, first of all, compassion, just to know the state that our young people are in and looking at the idea of family. I am 52 years old. I'm saving myself for marriage. I've never been married before. And so it's kind of a surprise that I'm not married yet and that I always thought I'd have kids or lots of kids. And so the way that I look at it now and just what came on my heart was the idea of how the, the radical way with which we see the world turning it, the Lord doesn't want us to walk in fear. You know, as mm. believers, as people who love the Lord, we weren't given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and strong mind. And many years ago, the Lord gave me a very sweet word, and He said, the season, about four years ago, He said, the season of uprising is upon us. Prepare for engagement. And I think as believers, we really have abdicated our right to rule and reign. We were born to be heirs and heiresses and to not shrink back according to Hebrews 10. We were, we were born to rise up and accept the challenges. And for me, not as a parent, I really look at all of the kids in the foster care system and I would love to adopt and say, look at the babies that are out here. Look at the, the teenagers and the, the young adults that are being emancipated that do need us to stand with them and help them learn how to war in a healthy way. Learn, in learn how to do like, what? How to war. Okay, how to be how a... How to war, W-A-R. How to, how to, how to well, stand up as believers, as warriors and warrioresses of faith. And like a faith, so okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In faith. All right. To be able to, to wanna, stand boldly. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for your call. I want to get to one other call before we have to take a break here. You know, and and uh, Joe in San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, Joe. Uh, uh, I just wanted to, again, uh, respond to the lady that is concerned about kids and yeah. the cost of raising children. Yeah. Uh, 
I started adoption process at 55 in 2005 with my wife. Mm. And we adopted. We, it took us three years. This is through China. Remember that. It took us three years. To, and we finally were given a beautiful little child at a year and a half, a girl. And then a couple of years later, we adopted again. I will just put out into the air, and I thank you for giving me this opportunity. Being a dad is the best thing I've ever done. Yes. And as far as what it costs, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> what are we taking for? We're not going to leave home with it. We're not going to leave Earth with it. Right. So, you know, but they give me so much. And even though I just went through a divorce, it doesn't matter. When I'm going to see those kids tomorrow on my birthday, that's it. When I see that smile and I see that love, uh, don't be afraid, folks out there. Don't be afraid All of right. having kids Joel. and get married. You know, really. <laughs> Thank you for your call, Joey. Appreciate that encouragement. And uh, yeah, you know, he's right. It's the best job I have as dad uh, and as husband. I don't want to leave that out. It's great to be a husband and wife Chris, uh, to Christy and to be a dad. Those things matter most. And yeah, it's expensive. That's why I was asking, are there ways to lower that cost? But don't be afraid of that cost. That's the best place to spend your money. You know, the best place to spend your money is raising raising kids, godly kids. I got to take a break. You're listening to Southern California Live and it's Open Line Friday. We are talking about whatever it is you want to talk about. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I will be back as the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Great to be with you. It is Open Line Friday. Anything that you would like to talk about, we will talk about. We are talking about, the conversation is about kids. And we started off by talking about how new reports are talking about how expensive it is to raise kids. And one person, Samantha, called and said, hey, you know, me and uh, my significant other, we're talking about getting married and having kids. And we thought maybe we don't want to. And we have talked about that ever since. And, you know, what's the, what are your thoughts about this? And what should Christians do in this world today? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Sergio in Anaheim, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> Good, Sergio. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Uh, I just wanted to share uh, having kids whether it is natural or adopted, uh, there's no difference. Uh, the out, you know, when you have someone under your care, uh, you just love them the same way. It doesn't matter uh, if they are natural or adopted. Mm. Uh, in addition to that, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I was not a, you know, a believer, uh, but I uh, came to the uh, conclusion that I, I didn't want to have kids. Uh, when I got married, that, was, that actually changed uh, for for reasons that happened in my marriage. But the fact is that I ended up having three kids. Uh, when I came to believe in Jesus Christ and read the Bible, I got to the uh, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, where it comes to the description of what is I got to love. Mm-hmm. And this is the way that God loves us. And without being a parent, I would not understand what that really meant. Uh, you know, the context of those of that chapter makes a big difference of how love really works. But being a parent, applying to to your kids, it makes a big difference. 
and then you get to understand how God really loves us. Yeah. And is basically, the description is there. There is no other words to say, but just First Corinthians chapter 13. That's the description. All right, Sergio, thank you for calling and for uh, that insight. You know, you do learn how to love, and... You know, I know that many of you listening, maybe you just haven't had the opportunity to have kids, or maybe there's fertility issues that you're dealing with. You know, I think this is another area where the church needs to be more active in the areas of adoption. There are so many kids, and fostering kids. And you, when you when you pray about it, can I just challenge you this way? If you've been in a situation where maybe you can't have kids, Christy and I, uh, we went eight years before having our first child. And we thought, well, maybe there's fertility issues. And we were we were talking about adoption, and that's the, the road that we thought the Lord was pull, putting us on. And uh, then the kids came along, but, uh, you know, we went through all the testing and everything, and what they said was, there's nothing wrong with you guys. And, uh, you know, so we just had to go through a lot of prayer and really ask God, you know, for what he wanted, and adoption was not in the plan. Uh, at least then, you know, as we've heard from some of you who've adopted later in life, I think that, you know, for for us, when you when you think about this, and, and Sergio was talking about 1 Corinthians 13 and love, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And, you know, when it's true love, you, you, he's right that parents of adopted kids, they love them. The hardest part of being a foster parent is sometimes the, you have to give the child back to the system. or to. It's a great thing when they get to go back to their parents if that's a good arrangement. And that's what you're there. But you start to love them. Can I tell you this, for Christian parents, whether you have naturally born kids or you've adopted kids or you're fostering kids, this version of love is what needs to be passed on to the next generation. And the reason we should be having kids or adopting kids or serving others who have kids, because maybe that's your call. I talked about the costs. And uh, yes, it's true. It's worth every penny, but it is expensive. There are ways that we as the church can help each other raise kids. You know, especially if you're a single parent, you know, if you're a single parent, you've got all kinds of things going on and you need a break and you might need some money. Part of being in the church, one of the reasons that you should be involved in a church personally, like physically there, not just watching on TV, is that one of the reasons to gather is so that we get to know each other and that we can meet each other's needs, that we can build each other up, that we can meet each other's needs. That's actually what church is for. You know, it's not just to sit and hear a message and sing some songs and go home and hopefully get, you know, somewhere in time for brunch. It is a place to get to know people, to bring the, to gather the saints together. And maybe it bothers you that you're a saint. You are if you know Jesus. You you have the robe of righteousness. You are. Um, to bring us together, to build us up for the mission of the church so that other people will know about Jesus and in discipleship, and that means your friends and your family and your coworkers, but it also means the kids that you have or the kids that you adopt. And you pass on the knowledge and the love of Jesus Christ, and this world needs it. This world is confused. This world is asking questions that, I mean, just a handful of years ago, we never would have thought we'd be asking. And at the end of it is, is not love. 
it is there's so much destruction happening. Can I encourage you this way? I had uh, I had a weird experience. You're listening to Southern California Live, and you can call in on any subject you want today because it's open line Friday. But we're talking about kids. The number is eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Maybe you got an adoption story or a fostering kid story that you like to share and encourage people with eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. I had this meeting with a guy a long time ago. My first pastoral role was with young adults, which I love. Young adults, the young adult ministry is awesome. And of course, everybody's dating, and there's all that going on. And you, you, uh, you can just teach, you know, Song of Solomon constantly, and you'll always have people. And I met with this guy at a time when internet dating was new. It was a brand new thing. So this was before there was, you know, what are some of the big ones out there? Um, I can't even think of their names right now. But this, they were kind of localized you know, almost like bulletin board Christian dating services, and there were others. And this guy was pushing his, and he wanted to advertise it in the group. But he said something that was really disturbing, and I remember it so vividly. We were at this uh, restaurant, and I was eating breakfast, and I had eggs sunny side up. And I remember right when he said this, I was staring at the egg. So I actually have this image while he says this. He said, we need to encourage Christians to get married so that they can have kids so that they can pre- so that we can preserve the Christian race. That's what he said. And I'm a historian, you know, and that whole language just disturbs me about, you know, somebody else who said that in the 20th century, that type of thing. And, you know, I remember just staring and stirring my eggs around, and I said, without looking up at him right away, I said, well, you know, Christians are not a race. And just because you have kids, there's no guarantee that they're going to get saved. That's there's It doesn't transfer in the DNA. Okay, that's not how it works. Everybody's going to have to make their decision. You can't just pass on your faith to your kids. It doesn't work that way. They've got to have it for themselves. You can pass on what you know. You can pass on, you know, you can pour out your cup as best you can, and you need to do that, but at some point they're accountable. And then I said, and it just came to me, and I think the Lord gave it to me, I said, maybe Christians are supposed to adopt you know what? You know, in the Old Testament, you better have kids, and there was a meaning for it because you're bringing forth the Messiah. And, you know, you felt like if you didn't have kids or you were barren and some of those stories, you were, you know, for whatever fertility reason, you weren't having kids, you felt like you're letting down the whole culture because the Messiah may not, you know, is going to come later or, you know, there's, there's reasons for that. But New Testament, you don't really have to have kids. You aren't, you know, you aren't doing something wrong or cursed if you don't. On the other hand, when you have kids, we need to be investing in kids. Maybe God wants us to adopt. Maybe that's one of the biggest callings of the church today. I would say that it is. There's so many kids here. With the abortion rulings that are happening, probably abortions will go down. I don't think they're going to go down. You know, I think some people just expected, oh, Roe versus Way is over, overturned, and I guess there won't be abortions. No, there's going to be abortions, and there's going to be you know, just fewer. Some studies say, well, there'll be 10 or 20% fewer is all. So yeah, I think there'll be fewer. But I also think there's going to be a lot more people choosing to have babies. In fact, that that was already happening. Because of ultrasound and other things, a lot of people were already saying, who might have had the abortion 20 years ago, today are deciding, no, I'm not going to do that. And one of the things that the church is going to have to step up and do in this society is say, you know what, if you will have the baby, uh, we have people who are willing to adopt and maybe entire churches do this, where one family is willing to adopt, but the church commits to helping raise that kid. 
with single moms, single parents. The church should be committed to helping those parents and not just praying for them. You pray for them, but really serve and help. There's so many things that we can do for each other on this subject. It matters greatly. And I think it's right to talk about it and realize we don't need to have fear. Uh, The New York Times put out an article asking why Americans are having fewer children. And Americans are having fewer children. And that some of the reasons I don't think are real. Like it's, okay, childcare is too expensive. All right, is that the reason? You know, I don't think it is really. Um, Want more time for the children than I have. A lot of people are not having kids because they just don't want to have the time. They want to go on vacations. They like having two incomes with no kids. You have a lot more money, you know, $300,000 for every kid over 18 years. You can take a lot of vacations. I think that's probably true. Um, worried about uh, climate change. I don't think anybody really is not having kids over that. Um, worried about not having um, paid family leave. I don't think anybody's really worried over that. I think people really are fearful, though, about the direction that the world is going. We don't have to be fearful. I think what we need to do is train people up and change the direction of the world through the gospel if that is the Lord's will for us to do. I got to take a break. You're listening to Southern California Live. It is Open Line Friday. And we have one more segment left. If there is something on your mind you've always wanted to ask a pastor, anything that is on the news or things that you want to discuss, give me a call, 888-528-2557. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Southern California Live. The Friday edition will continue in a moment. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. It is good to be alive in Southern California. Beautiful day. I hope you got some great weekend plans coming up. And I hope as a part of those plans, you're going to church. I know some of you work on Sundays and that that's a little tricky, but uh, you know, you can find some churches that meet on different days. I think God's providing that now in a world that's changing so much. Be in church. Find a church. And so many of you, you you left and uh, maybe you left because you're having struggles and doubts. Maybe you left because you got out of the habit. Maybe it's very convenient to uh, sit at home and watch it on TV. I get it. Somebody told me, oh, should I go and fight with my kids for uh, three hours and go to church? Or can I just go to church and wear my pajamas and have pancakes and waffles? I get it, you know. Um, but church is not should not be just a you know, a thing that you feel obligated to do. It is a time to come together as your family. And this is what's been happening for 2,000 years, the church. In uh, And one of the things I think is encouraging sometimes for many of us, maybe you struggle a little bit because you, maybe you have some scientific doubt. Maybe you you just kind of wonder about the, the historicity of things. Um. Just recently, 1,500-year-old inscription points to what they believe to be the site of Apostle Peter's home. Did you know that? That he had a a house, obviously lived somewhere, and a team of Israeli and our American archaeologists uncovered a 1,500-year-old inscription on a church, basically, a basilica, near the Sea of Galilee that says the building was constructed over the home of the Apostle Peter. You you can never be certain, right? Is that really where he lived, or did it just become kind of a... uh, a legend and then a myth that that's where he lived. He lived somewhere. And, you know, there are no scholars, by the way, with any credibility who doubt the existence of Peter. That there are no scholars out there who who believe that, oh, this guy didn't really exist. There's all kinds of evidence that he existed, that the apostles existed. 
The number, by the way, is 888-528-2557. You can call about anything on Open Phone Friday, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. There are no scholars out there with any credibility who don't think Jesus existed. Some people think, uh, you know, that he uh, maybe was different than what we would say as believers, but it's very clear that even the earliest church and even the Romans at the time believed that there was Jesus, that he was there. And the real question is, did he come up out of the grave? But sometimes it's very helpful to know that there is other evidence out there, that when we dig a hole somewhere, um, that we're finding evidence of this early church, that when we dig something up, we, where the Bible says something should be, eventually that's discovered. And sometimes they, people say, no, that's not really there. The Bible thinks this is a myth. You know, people used to say 100 years ago, people said that Pontius Pilate was a myth and therefore the whole crucifixion story is a myth. And the reason they said that is because they couldn't find any archaeological evidence of Pontius Pilate outside of the Bible, um, which is an interesting way to go about it. There's a lot of things that we, we fully believe happened in history, and we only have you know one source um, and that we, that we trust. And the Bible is, from a scientific standpoint, very trustworthy. And that's because when you go dig somewhere, uh, you find it. And we found, somebody actually found, it's called the Pilate Stone, which is an inscription uh, describing him exactly as the person that the Bible describes him as. It's a cornerstone to a building, basically, where they put his name on it, uh, like you do. And that changed that. But it's a, you know, it is an interesting thing that happens where the assumption today for a lot of people is that the Bible's not true if I can't prove it. Rather than saying there's so many things in the Bible that have turned out to true, we turned out to be true. Uh, turned out to be something accurate that we probably better consider the rest of it, which is what I would say. The expedition in Israel is an interesting thing because it uh, showed that Peter probably had a special association with this church, and they dedicated it to him. And what I like about this stuff, it has an inscription. It's part of a mosaic floor in the in the church building. So far, they they question when churches started to meet in buildings. In the early church, the church was illegal, and so you couldn't go out and get a permit to build a building. You would hide. In some places, you had to hide, and for different persecutions, you had to hide, or you had church in people's homes, and uh, that's great. Eventually, the church was growing so big that it was hard to have church in homes. People's homes were not nearly the size of many of our homes. Uh, Even some of our smallest homes today are probably bigger than a lot of the homes people lived in back then. Well, they started to buy, once it became more free, once it became something that was more acceptable in the culture, they started building churches. And what I like to, to see is just something encouraging, that the early Christians, they did the same kind of things that we do. So part of a mosaic floor in a church um, says that the, the basilica is dedicated to Peter, to St. Peter, and says that it's built on the cover uh, on the uh, top of his house, that it's buried underneath there. Uh, I don't know that they're going to dig up uh, his house. I don't think they're un, you know, going to tear down the structure and stuff. But does that encourage you? Does it encourage you to hear that in 2022, more and more discoveries are saying um, that these stories that we read about in the Scripture, these stories that are 2,000 years old that some people would like to toss aside, that the more we dig and the more we search, the more we have clarity, the more we have truth, and even in areas where we haven't found it, it's more like we haven't found it yet. I, you know, I think that that is super encouraging, and it matters. As we have talked about truth so often in our 
our program, if our faith is true, then there's going to be evidence that these stories actually happened. They don't prove it. You've got to be careful with the word proof. Proof is something that's very difficult. You know, prove to me, you know, that uh, Alexander the Great was alive. Prove to me, you know, Washington was alive. You know, there's a lot of evidence, you know, for that. There's, you know, we can be pretty certain about that. But proof is complicated. But the evidence, you know, if our faith is for real, then we're going to see it in other places. If the evidence is for real, then when you ask questions, when you actually take a look at what the scriptures say, it's going to conform to what we can actually see. And sometimes, you know, we we get something that doesn't really fit and people kind of wonder why and they say, hmm. But usually, in, in, and I would say in every, in every case eventually, new discoveries are made that go back and reconfirm what the Bible says. The biggest thing that needs to be shown for evidence is the resurrection of Christ. That's where the hope is. See, if, if the Bible itself says if Jesus didn't rise, then all of this is a waste of time. If Jesus didn't rise, then it means that you know, the apostles made up the story about a guy and he had, you know, some good teachings, love your enemy and yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, are those things so inspiring that it would change entire cultures, that people would risk their lives for that kind of teaching? I don't think so. See, some of the evidence of the resurrection of Christ is the fact that the church exists at all. And those early believers, the ones who saw Jesus that's some of the best evidence. It's eyewitness reports. Your Gospels are historical documents that are eyewitness reports of Jesus Christ. They are people who said, no, we saw him. We saw him die, and we saw him that he was alive. And 500 people at one point saw him alive. And Peter, when he gives his great speech in the book of Acts where the church begins, he doesn't get up and he and say to everybody, "Hey, Jesus was a great guy and a great teacher. Didn't he teach us some great things? He was he was so inspiring. He was such a great orator. And uh, boy, that Sermon on the Mount, the, you know, that's a a beautiful thing. You know, blessed are these people, blessed are those people. And you know, we should continue on those great teachings. We should be inspired by these and pass them on to our children. Uh, that's not what Peter had to say." What Peter said instead is, hey, this Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to you by God by miracles, wondrous signs, which God did among you, as you yourselves know. See, those people, they know whether the miracles really happened or not. They don't have to take it by faith. They were there. They know if Lazarus came up out of the tomb or not. They know if the crippled guy, who everybody knew was crippled, if he was able to walk. They know if the blind man was able to see. And they know it, it wasn't somebody who... You know, they had a service, and nobody knows this guy. No one's ever heard of him. And he comes out uh, from the back, and Jesus heals him, and everybody claps. And then he goes backstage, and Jesus heals him again at the 1030 service. It wasn't like that. It, you know, the, the apostles say in the book of Acts that these things weren't done in a corner. Peter comes out, and he says, hey, these miracles were accredited to you, and you saw it. You know it. This isn't a matter of we're just telling you a story. You saw it. And then he says, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. That doesn't seem like something that motivates a typical crowd to tell him you killed the guy. But then he says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And that's the story. And the church starts and the Holy Spirit comes and people 
change. See, the church, the beginning of our faith, the foundation of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he defeated death. And the thing is, that is so important for us to know. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Do you know the promise is for those who know Jesus is that death is not going to keep its hold on you. That one day you're going to die. Uh, That's going to happen unless Jesus comes first. But you're going to walk right through the same hole in death that Jesus punched for you. That's hope. And how do you get that? You get it by trusting him that that worked. You get it by trusting these eyewitnesses and their, their report about Jesus. That this was a plan. This was God's deliberate plan for saving people. That this was on purpose. And he came and he did miracles. He came and he did all the stuff. He was born in the right city that was predicted. He did the things that were predicted. He did miracles in front of people. And then he died like was predicted. And then he rose again as he predicted. These people saw it. Peter knows if this is true or not. He knows it. He knows if this is a lie or not. Peter would go to his death, we believe, crucified upside down for this. This is done by faith. That's why I like the story about Peter's house. This guy who gave this speech, who's some fisherman, lived in a house just like you do, and God used him to do amazing things, and you're going to meet him one day if you know Jesus. You want to know more, you can always reach out to me here at Southern California Live. My email address is SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Thank you, everybody, for the discussion today and for the week of ministry together. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you get to church and uh, do what the Lord is calling you to do. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I will see you on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.